And there we are. Good evening, Bill. Good evening, Stanley. What's up, brother? Not much. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the BS Car Guys podcast. Week number 13. Lucky 13. Lucky, lucky for some, unlucky for others, but it's lucky for us because, you know, this is our 13th scheduled talk that our wives let us get away with. That's exactly (laughs) right. And every single one that we get by with is another lucky episode for us. So tonight, uh, last week, if you were with us for our podcast, we were talking about minivans, all things minivans. And um, this week, we are going to talk about some minivan alternatives, which pretty much narrows us down into one category of vehicle, right? Yep. Yep, it does. And um, I will repeat what I said, uh, the, 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 uh, the in quotations part of the title of last week's episode, minivans are cars too. You well, you know, so just just to give <laughs> us a little segue and a teaser for next week, our um, a friend of mine who is going to join us next week as a special guest commented to me on our podcast from last week about our show's title that minivans are cars too, and his take on that was, and you can ask him about it next week when he's on, but his comment was is that if I can say that SUVs are not trucks, then how are minivans? cars and i am inclined to agree with the logic of his thinking and maybe minivans take not cars they are vans and vans and cars are two separate things uh does it have four wheels yes does it have an engine yes the can you drive it Yes. Do you need a, well? Do you need a driver's license to drive it? You're supposed to have one. Supposed to have one. Then I mean, we, live, we live in North and South Carolina, so <laughs> it doesn't always happen. I just realized I sent you a, a bad link, so I'm gonna resend you a link for did, did one of my videos. A Russian worm bot email? Did you send me a virus I, or something? No, I did All not. Right. So, so while Stanley's getting his links straightened out for tonight's budget, I'll go ahead and tell you, um, if you didn't make it to the end of our show last week, um, for tonight's Spend Our Fake Money Challenge, we had to go out for $19,500 and find an alternative to an issue, or to a minivan. So yep. that, to me, basically puts us into the SUV category. Although, I'm going to say SUV with air quotations because... I wanted to take a moment and read to you the American English definition of SUV or sport utility vehicle. So there are four commonly used definitions for SUV. Now, as I read these, tonight we're going to be talking about primarily three-row unibodied SUVs or otherwise known as crossovers. So as I read these definitions... You, the BS Car Guys uh, podcast listener, I want you to envision these vehicles in your mind and mm-hmm. see if they meet the criteria of these definitions. Mm-hmm. Definition one, rugged automotive vehicle similar to a station wagon but built on a light truck chassis. Definition number two. Automotive automobile similar to a station wagon, but built on a light truck frame. 
Mm-hmm. Definition number three, large vehicle that is designed to be used on rough surfaces, but that is often used on city roads or highways. Hmm. Definition number four, passenger vehicle similar to a station wagon, but with the chassis of a small truck and usually four-wheel drive. Hmm. Mm. Because the, the engineer in me says that exactly none of tonight's vehicles, with the exception of <laughs> one, fit this criteria. None. So I did some... I, yeah, I did some definition hunting as well. So, because because uh, you know what is, what is what is an SUV and what is a crossover or is a is a topic that you know people kick about they 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 talk about sometimes because the average buyer usually don't know the difference. That's uh, right. They, there is a difference. Uh, one of them is being used. Uh, both of them is being used, misused pretty much all the time anyway. So general, yeah, generally people who, uh, who who are talking about a car who are not car people, they and actually and people who are car people, they use them terms kind of uh, for the same vehicle. They they just use the the term whatever term comes to their head. Like just now, I had a brain fart. I couldn't think of what I was going to say, so they just say which one that comes to their head first. <laughs> yeah, they but, use them as interchangeable. There you go. Words. That was the word I was looking for. It escaped me a second ago. Interchangeable terms. Yep. All right. So, um, Watashiwa, if y'all don't know what it means, I'll tell you next week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry, folks. Um, I don't know either. Uh, so, uh, hey, Bill, do you know what the uh, first technically SUV was? Um, for, for well, people? so the first vehicle that was produced and sold in the United States that fits the current modern definition of an SUV was the Jeep Cherokee. Hmm. I will challenge you, sir, and say it was the Chevrolet Suburban. Um, I will challenge you and say that according to the internets, Google and <laughs> Wikipedia, the Jeep Cherokee, because I also looked that up in my research. Well, I don't think there's a Cherokee like in the in the in the in the sixties. So yes, but the suburban is huge. Yes, but it still so is. That doesn't fit the modern SUV platform, and that's what I was saying. Look, you can't so, just be adding words to the conversation to make your point. You, just, I don't look. <laughs> Modern. Well, in my mind, I listen. This is the first time in the history of this podcast where I was thinking modern, and you were thinking older than dirt. Exactly. I don't know if it'll happen again, but it won't be. What often. is going on tonight? It's a black hole. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research and watched a couple of videos because you know I like to be thorough. And um, so <laughs> what? What? Say it. Say it. No, you're good. You're good. You're going to be thorough. All right. Yeah. And not say the word correctly, probably. So, uh, SUV, uh, like that, like, like we just said, the terms are being used interchangeably, but in all reality, they are not really interchangeable. They're not that interchangeable. But they are kind of general because an SUV and a crossover are cover a lot, lots of things. Each term cover lots of things. But, uh, Stanley definitions. In order to be an SUV, you got to be body on frame. 
okay. I'm, I, I, for the most part, I will agree with that. And, and the reason being, because the Suburban back in the 50s, you know, Chevy took a, a 1500 truck and they put a station wagon uh, body on top of a 1500 truck. And that's where the Suburban came from. And, and which created a, a lifted two box design, which is essentially what SUVs are. SUVs and cross rollers are. So. Okay. Okay. All right. So, a right, crossover is exactly what kind of what that word means. It is the intersection between a car and an SUV. It is a car platform, a unibody, excuse me, and but has the look, a lot of the look, and some of the capability of the sports utility vehicle. I will partially agree with that. Um, I will say, though, that I believe, though, crossover stands for the crossover point between an SUV and a minivan because because it is not the crossover point between a car and an SUV because these things primarily look like, drive like, and behave like minivans for the majority. They just, they lose one feature that a minivan has, and that's a sliding door for the rear passengers. So that's really the only difference. All right. So going back to what you said, your definition for the the, the crossover and this SUV thing was, do you remember that first crossover that you ever remember? The The first crossover I can remember? Mm -hmm. Mm, Now that's a good one. I don't know. I have to do some thinking about what the first crossover I can think of. I got some suggestions of what you what you probably gonna come up with. If I had to say, probably in in all honesty, the first crossover that I can really think of would be in the nineties. Um, I knew a guy that had a a Volvo XC sixty. Mm-hmm. And it was a lifted station wagon. And to mm-hmm. me, that was the first what vehicle that I could think of that kind of merged into like a crossover territory. In fact, I think XC is like short for like crossover or something. I don't know. Yeah, it probably is. I don't know what it stands for. I don't know what these numbers and letters and stuff saying on the stand for car on cars stand for anymore because they do not have meaning anymore. But <laughs> but I'm gonna go ahead and guess that you know probably most people's first crossovers that they've seen were uh, CRVs and RAV4s, but I will challenge you that challenge you into saying that uh, we're saying that the first crossover you really saw was a Subaru. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, Outbacks and Foresters were really the first crossovers. Um, and, and that were are, what, that were really marketed as as exactly that. In fact, the mm-hmm. Forester more so than the than the um, whatever the other one is. I just said Crosstrek. Uh, no, the Crosstrek's too new. It wasn't the uh, Outback? The Outback because yeah, yeah. the, the Outback is. I mean, they even made an Outback sedan for a while. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember they had that. they had the cool dude too. from Crocodile Dundee doing their commercials, and it, it was, was like a. Cool. It was like, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was like a jacked up sedan. I mean, uh, I, it's not very practical, but it was pretty cool from a design standpoint. Yeah, I thought it was and cool. You're right. That is, that was like an SUV car. So, yep. I mean, that's that was really, 
I guess, really the first real mainstream. But again, I go back to Volvo had the wagon and, and, you know, Audi made the all road, but that was into the early two thousands. And so I can think back into the nineties and Volvo had theirs. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's maybe a, and to me, that's very similar to the Outback, you know, that, that would consider those competitors. All right. So going down Stanley's logic without drawing this out too much, because this is a really, 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 can be a really broad conversation. This is like seven podcasts in its own, this whole topic. But but SUVs, Stanley Logic, were alternatives to station wagons. So you don't think they were alternatives to minivans? No. They became alternatives to minivans because when SUVs came about, well, not SUVs, crossovers came about, vans were still cool. Yeah, that's true. Vans were still cool. Moms <laughs> had vans, and young that's, adventurous families that needed a little more room got crossovers. Yeah, yeah. And then, so it morphed into, as they got bigger over time, they became the alternative for vans because, you know, now vans aren't cool, evidently. I guess I'm the only person who thinks vans are cool. Because, you know, my, all of, I mean, up until, even up until recently, uh, the number of three-row SUVs wasn't really that big. Uh, hey, spe- speaking of uh, not being cool and being into minivans still, did oh, did we did we get any feedback on, you know, any support to my logic of, by your definition standards, you should not own a minivan? Like, did anybody back me up on that? I'm hoping we got thousands of letters. You know what? I'm going to check the old email inbox currently, <laughs> right now. Cause I'm guessing there's just email after email of people saying Bill's right. Stanley should go outside and burn his minivan right now because he doesn't fit any of the criteria that he placed on minivan ownership. Anyway, so let's get into talking about spending this fake money, $19,500 for a minivan alternative. Um, while we're Stanley's checking our email, I'm going to give a little bit of a tease of information that, that is likely to be changing over the next couple of weeks. So I checked the email. You ready, you ready for ready? Yeah, go for it. I mean, just pick one. the best pick the best twelve. You know, let's there's <laughs> one email in there and it says Bill's wrong, period. Yeah, okay. That's a lot. Then we have no email <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that we could be saving a lot on our car insurance. I thought that's what you were going to be saying. Um, so, or that our warranty was about to expire. Um, so on a bit of a tangent, let me just throw this out there. Oh yeah. Gonna, Cause we have a bunch of tangents. Go ahead. Go we're going to, we're going to diverge for just a, a few moments of your time. So for those of you that keep track of car ownership, I currently own, um, a truck, an SUV, and uh, a wagon. Um, the wagon I own is an Audi 2013 Audi All-Road um, that's based on an A4 platform. I've had this car for a couple of years. I really like the car. It's a great car because I'm a wagon guy, so I like wagons. And it's it's lifted up a little bit, and you know it allows me to drive over a curb or through a ditch occasionally if need be. Which makes well, sense why you like SUVs. Uh, crossovers too but continue easy 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 i don't like crossovers so um so anyway what i don't like about my audi is the reoccurring expensive service visits 
as all Audi owners will probably attest. Um, once they reach a certain mileage, i.e. anything more than 50,000 miles, they begin to have problems. And Did you say a German car broke? Yeah. Okay, They're over-engineered. I mean, who, who needs two fuel pumps? But so anyway, <laughs> that being said, um, most of the stuff that I've had to have worked on on the vehicle is electronic or computer related. So my car is currently in the shop for two electronic related items. Now, I probably would just let these things not function if I were just, you know, dead set on just driving the car and and not spending any money because they're not detrimental to the use of the vehicle. And because you're from Carolina and we used to things not working and dealing with it. That's exactly right. <laughs> but so I've got this nagging light on the dash that keeps telling me that my adaptive headlights are not functioning properly. And it dings every time you get in the car and crank it. The light flashes every 10 seconds while you're going down the road. And it's just a constant annoyance. So um, it's in the shop to have that replaced. Also, conveniently, around the same time, my blind spot monitoring went out. Hmm. Hey, everybody's got that now, right? Blind spot yep. monitoring. That's cool. That's good, helpful technology. Yeah, is this why you don't like technology sometimes? This is, an, this is one of the big reasons. Yeah, right here. Um, so uh, anyway, get these things replaced is a couple thousand dollars. Like more than $1,000. Less than two, but pretty close. So for a while now, especially with COVID, I'm not traveling as much as I used to because a lot of my businesses still don't let me just drop in. So I have been considering selling that vehicle. I have also mm. been considering trading that vehicle or, or, well, selling that vehicle and buying something else that is more fun or that I might be able to enjoy more than just a commuter vehicle. Um, like a BRZ? No, I don't need a sports car at the moment. And if I buy a sports car, it will be very old. Um, so anyway. This leads me to a conversation that Stanley and I have been having off air for the last two weeks about alternatives to not purchasing the Bronco that I have a reservation for. Mm. I have driven a few things. I could certainly give detailed, in-depth driving reviews of some vehicles that I've went and looked at and driven. Uh, we won't get into that tonight. But, well, we may dip our toe into it later in the podcast, but we're not going to go into depth into it. Um, so... Anyway, in considering selling this thing, I looked at what it's worth. I looked at what I could sell it for. And, I mean, look, let's be honest. It's probably going to be on Facebook Marketplace in a couple weeks. But um, at the moment, I, I also offered, because the dealership asks all the time, can we buy your vehicle? We're always needing used vehicles. Oh. So I asked the dealership that's doing the work on my vehicle, the Audi dealership in Greensboro, North Carolina, Flow Audi, Flow Volkswagen, the Flow Automotive Group, who also owns dealerships of other brands that I was considering as a possible non-Bronco replacement. Um, so anyway, so I said, sure, make me an offer. Now, now believe you me, I went into that thinking, okay, it's going to be too low. Well, they oh. contacted me with an estimate. That estimate of what the vehicle was valued at and what they were willing to give me was only off by about $250 of what I was looking for. Really? 
Yeah, because um, I thought this was about to go a completely different way. Go ahead. No, no. So it was only <laughs> off by about two two hundred fifty dollars. So I said, okay, that's really close. So I, I told the lady, I said, you know, you're really close. Um, you're within two hundred fifty dollars. I said, so how about this? You come up two hundred fifty dollars. It wasn't even two fifty. It was like two twenty three. I was like, you come up your two hundred fifty bucks, and split the cost of this service bill with me. That's not reasonable. And and so I said, I've looked at the market. I know what these vehicles in the same condition with the similar mileage. And for those of you that don't look at cars enough, similar mileage means, you know, anywhere from 20,000 less to 20,000 more, usually 10 to 15. So, Mm -hmm. and similar priced means that I saw anything from, you know, $2,000 less to $2,000 more than what I would expect the dealership to sell my vehicle for, which by the way is probably two to $3,000 more than I would sell it for private party. You know, because if, if somebody's coming out of pocket with cash for a car, they're typically, it's a little more difficult to just go out and get a loan to buy a car from a guy you've met on Facebook. So you always are going to get less than a dealership's going to charge for the same vehicle, but that's just the nature of the game because you're going to keep more of the money. So all that being said, I left them their 20% margin. Mm-hmm. She, she said, I'll have to talk to my manager. We all love it when they say that, right? Mm-hmm. So the manager calls me back. He then proceeds to offer me $2,000 less, $3,000 less than the initial appraisal value. What? Yeah. So he goes down $3,000 and says, but we'll pay for your entire service visit. Okay, well, you're really only, so I'm really only adding $1,000 to that. So uh-huh. you're still off by two grand. So when I say, well, you're, you're, you're still off, that doesn't match up, doesn't make sense, I, I began to realize really quickly a couple of things. One, this guy's an idiot. Two, he has no professional courtesy, nor does he know how to conduct a sales call with any like level of professional sales technique. He basically, now I know I'm I'm 40 years old saying this, he basically sounded like he could have been 15 and I could have been dealing with the manager of a McDonald's. Now, if I were Flow Automotive Group, I would have a little higher like requirements for my management staff than to hire people who in a conversation, in a sales relationship conversation, uses words like, cool, cool, cool. What? Yeah. All right, so... Let's just say, needless to say, I lost it on this guy. I was like, first of all, you have no idea who you're talking to. And you have obviously got no clue how the sales process works. If you can't give me legitimate explanations for where your numbers are coming from, we're not going to have, you know, there's not an opportunity for us to conduct business. That that is a productive phone call right there. Yeah. And it became very unproductive very quickly. Um, and so I was super disappointed in, in their professionalism. And, you know, I mean, this really destroyed any chance of me buying any vehicle from this automotive group. And honestly, if you're a local and you live in the area, I'm afraid I have to recommend you not go there either. I mean, it's, it it was, it was such an unprofessional conversation that took place. He, he tried to use words like, oh, we have to leave enough money in there for recon. So if you ever hear a dealership use the word recon, they're talking about reconditioning your vehicle. Okay. 
they typically will use that to bloat their numbers so that they can cover replacing the tires. I have tires that have been on there since December of last year that only have about, I don't know, 8,000 miles on them at most. Because we haven't driven anywhere this year. And they're Michelins. They don't need to be replaced. Okay. And the, and, and so I told him, I said, you're telling me that part of your reconditioning means that you need to go in and look and make sure everything's mechanically sound when every single service that's been conducted on the vehicle has been done at your dealership. So are you telling me you have no faith in your service technicians and their abilities to do their jobs? Because that's what you're telling me. Because honestly, if, if every single service was done at your business, you, should, you have the utmost faith in your employees. This is a car you should want. This is the car you should want. You should be begging to buy this vehicle. And and I told him, I said, you know, it may take me six or eight months to sell the car myself. But and and that's the reason I was willing to take, you know, a one, two thousand dollar loss and what I could make on a private party just to save me the aggravation of waiting or having to deal with people coming to my home and driving my car and you know, all of those things that come along with selling a car privately, you know, it just was, it was going to be easier, but with this guy's unprofessionalism, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Like I honestly, after the conversation, I was like, wow, I kind of want to drive up there and see what kind of idiot you are in person. Like how can you be this dumb at your job? And here's, here's another thing to add in there. And we have went way too long on this, but. No, no. Get your chest. My car is in there for service currently because I, I don't want to sell something that's not working 100%, right? Because I don't want to be the kind of buyer who goes out to buy something and buy something that's not working 100%. So, and, and everybody should be that way. If, you, if you're thinking about selling a car and you want to get the best money possible out of it, spend a little money to fix anything that you know is wrong with it. Yeah. So, and that's what I was trying to do. So one of the items, the blind spot monitoring module or whatever the heck it's called, that thing's got to come out of Germany, right? Yeah. So it's it's 10 to 15 days before it will even ship from Germany. Yeah. I'm currently driving a 2020 Q5 loaner that had 140 miles on it when I picked it up. That's a whole nother conversation. We're going to talk about that. But go, continue. So, he, so on top of all of that stupidity, he, he's willing, like I'm going to have this car for 20 days. I'm going to drive the snot out of it in 20 days. I'm not going to be abusive to it, but I'm going to put some miles on it. Yeah. So I'm going to be, it should be your primary vehicle. It absolutely is my primary vehicle at the moment. So I'm going to depreciate your asset and my car is going to sit there and just get repaired and not have any miles put on it. Like from a management standpoint, this guy made every decision possible wrong. And yeah. so I just wanted to get that off my chest. Do not shop at Flow Automotive Group or Flow Audi until they replace their management. Well, um, if you've ever bought a car and we've helped people buy, buy cars, we've bought cars ourselves. One of the one of the could be the the highlight of purchasing a new vehicle, and the thing that makes you walk away from the vehicle is the salespeople who you talk to to include the managers. Uh, there's some yep. people out there, some real professionals out there who take their job very seriously. And uh, God bless you. Uh, you're doing what you're doing. You're putting, putting the work in. You remember that time we went to the BMW dealership and the guy absolutely knew we weren't going to buy an OZ3? Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that will always stand. It's a bunch of really early te- uh, 20s guys in the 20s 
He knew we didn't have the money to buy that car. He showed us everything on that car. Absolutely. The video for the car. He's like, yeah, I knew y'all couldn't buy the car. That ain't the point. The point, <laughs> you know. Right. That's exactly right. It, it, I mean, it, there is a, a level of professionalism. And what's sad is, is everywhere else in that business that I encountered people, I, I got nothing but professionalism. You know, their service department was always, uh, has always been nothing but gracious and very helpful and always provided a loaner and, you know, when possible. And like they, I mean, they met and exceeded my expectations in every area possible. But, you know, as they say in the Marine Corps, one, oh crap, ruins a thousand attaboys. And that's exactly the case here. It's regardless of all of the good experiences I've had with sales or service there, this one manager and even more so because he's in a management position completely overrides all of those good experiences. Yep. 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 And, uh, the other thing, um, and if, if you are any salespeople out there, if you're listening, um, that person who you, uh, who, who has that negative interaction with a customer, um, in today's day and age, they got this stuff called social media. I don't know if y'all are aware of it. And so they, people will leave reviews. I mean, That's true. <laughs> you're dealing with some people who I don't think you're going to spend the time to write a hundred bad reviews, but that, that person's out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm certainly not a Karen. I'm not writing a thousand bad reviews, but, but that I'm, person is out there. That person is out there. And <laughs> and you have to be aware of that, especially if you're in a sales position or a management position, you know, you may think you're talking to one schmuck, but you may underestimate what that the voice yeah. of that one schmuck is capable of. And yeah. and I'm not saying I'm that one schmuck or that I'm really all that capable of anything. But I am saying that if, if you listen to this and you're in a position where you interact with the public in a business setting, always be professional. Always be professional. I agree. Sales guys, hey, you guys and girls out there doing a good job, hey, keep doing it. That's exactly the, right. The, the people who are, who are not fit for sales positions, uh, go work in the back. Yeah. Stop talking to people. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that's a good way to put it. All right, so on, on to these um, minivan SUVs uh, or minivan alternatives. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's do some trivia. I love trivia. I'm not usually good at it, but I like it. Oh yeah, because you're not about to be good at this. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> wow, way to build my expectations up. Hey, so if I ask you, so we're gonna start easy real quick. Um, if I ask you, what were uh, what vehicle, what SUV sold the most in the third quarter of 2020? What would you say? SUV that sold the most in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. RAV4. RAV4. You are correct. Now, if I said three-row SUV, uh, three-row SUV or crossover, what would you say? Three-row. Hmm. Toyota Highlander? You are correct. It is number four on the list. Could you fill out the list? Well, how many I got to pick? The top five or what? Top five. Good grief. Three-row SUV. No, no, SUVs, period. Oh, just SUV, not three-row. But this is only for the third quarter of this year? Yep. Phew. Um, And while you're thinking about that, that Toyota RAV4 sold 
119,214 vehicles in the third quarter of this year. That's a the lot. <laughs> oh, the, the, these numbers get way bigger. <laughs> so how about the, the Honda Pilot? Say again? How about the Honda Pilot? No. Not in the top five? Not in the top five. Dang. How about the um, Subaru Ascent? Nah, there's no nope. way. Nope. Oh, I know. I, I don't know how I'm missing. The Kia Telluride slash Hyundai Palisade. Nope. Are you serious? Nope. Yes, I'm serious. I said that. Oh, no. <laughs> I just had it in my head. <laughs> well, there's no way there's that many people out there dumb enough to buy a Chevy Traverse. I don't know, man. What you got? All right, the top five vehicles, uh, uh, top five SUVs, crash crossovers uh, for the third quarter of 2020 are number one, again, the Toyota RAV4, number two, the Honda CRV, number three, the Chevrolet Equinox. Oh, smaller than the Traverse. Okay. Number four, the Toyota Highlander, and number five, the Nissan Rogue. Yeah, I can believe the Nissan Rogue would sell because um, poor people. And. All you got to do is go on any used car website on the planet and just click on used car. You don't have to select SUV. You don't have to select a drivetrain, a number of seats, doors, number of roofs. You don't have to pick any criteria. And you just hit search, and I guarantee you the first 12 are going to be Nissan Rogues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them out there. That is the vehicle that keeps that thing going. I, um, there, I think there are more cases of Nissan Rogues on used car lots than there are cases of herpes in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is not. <laughs> I don't know. Are, I don't know. And they're and they're fairly they similar. So, if you had to guess at a number of how many SUVs sold in the third quarter period, what would you say? Mm, SUVs sold in the third quarter. Let's go. Let's go. Three hundred eighty-six thousand. Wrong. The number is two million. I just barely missed it. <laughs> two million thirty-one thousand eight hundred sixty-four SUVs crossovers sold in America just in the third quarter. Wow! Give me another one. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bet one dollar this time. One dollar. All right. All right. Um, uh, who do you think? What what company you think? Uh, brand is that a company? What brand do you think sold the, the most SUVs? Oh, Toyota, hands down. Correct, two hundred and twenty-seven thousand. No, I mean nobody's getting close to those Rav Four numbers. Oh, Jeep is number two at two hundred thousand. Yeah, but that's tricky. That's that's numbers manipulation because everything they sell is a SUV. It is. It is correct. I thought I, I was actually surprised Jeep was up that high because, you know, they they start off. They, I would guess uh, the Wranglers. Well, you know, let me look at the list. No, the list. I, I bet you. I bet you the um, the Cherokee or the um, Renegade sold the most. The Grand Cherokee was uh, was at the num- number seven on the list, and the Wrangler was number eight on the list. At let's look at this number real quick. Make sure I can highlight it. So the um, the Grand Cherokee was at fifty six thousand four hundred and forty seven, and the Wrangler was at fifty four thousand seventy one. Uh huh. Yeah. So, but yeah, everything they sell is an SUV slash crossover. So yeah, it, it, that's that's cool. 
Um, how many? How many of those sold vehicles do you think were three row SUVs? The thing we're talking about right now. Many you want a percentage or a number? Oh, give me a number. Nobody's good with percentages. Forty-six. Forty-six. You said forty-six thousand. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean if I'm going to be wrong, then I'm going to be way wrong. So let's just six hundred and fifty-two thousand five hundred and fifty-seven three row SUVs sold in the third quarter. So needless to say, these are very, very popular vehicles, yeah, but very. nowhere near as popular as the two-row SUVs, which sold the other one million three hundred and seventy-nine thousand. Yeah, but <laughs> but here's the thing, though: two-row SUV is such a broad, like blanket category. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could do an hour podcast of just trying to name all of the two-row SUVs that are technically SUVs because they're crossovers, but they're really just. Uh, economy cars with lift kits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we could, we we could. So th- hey, this is the. This let me is, let me throw a little piece of trivia at you too while we're doing trivia time. Guess what vehicle from a recent podcast of ours has made the news in the past week? Um, the in the past week, the Polestar Two made the news. Not a vehicle currently on sale in the U.S. Not a, whoa, wait a minute. All oh, that little ugly truck. <laughs> <laughs> Dodge 700 is making its rounds on, on the news cycles. <laughs> and I think it's all because of us. I yeah, have we to did think. It. We brought that. Hey, thank you. You're welcome. My bad. You're welcome. Like, I, I watched Moana yesterday. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, You're so. Welcome. So in these large SUVs, right, SUV slash crossovers, what do you think the average transaction price was? Average transaction price of $53,000. You said $53,000? Yeah. $62,743. The average transaction price for a midsize SUV is $39,000. Uh, six hundred eleven dollars. Average transaction price for a subcompact one is twenty four thousand five hundred dollars. And let's see a full size. Let's see full size luxury. The the average transaction price for a full size luxury SUV, which is essentially all the ones that we talked about in the big boy, big boy body on frame thing, eighty eight thousand four hundred and thirty five dollars. Wow. Eighty. I know. I'm shocked. I'm just, I'm having a hard time even contemplating that. So that's crazy. But throwing all those numbers out there, just to kind of make a point, this this is what America is buying. SUVs, and they don't want minivans, so they buy big three-row SUVs for uh, to replace minivans because, uh, you know, they want to do stuff like that. But anyway, we didn't even talk about the things we picked. Let's talk about the things we picked. Yeah, Here let's we- look at the alternatives to minivans that we selected. Yeah, the yeah. alternatives. Yeah, so you go. go you want me to go first? Uh, or you want me to click on yours first? Let's do yours first. Okay, mine first. So that first one that I sent you. I like them little things. They're, they're pretty cool. <laughs> so I like to give my, I like to name my stuff. So this is what I call basically still a minivan, but it's just yeah. small. So this is the no longer in production 2010 
I think they went through 2015. So this would be the the still the like second generation of it. The yeah. 2010 Mazda Mazda Five Sport because Mazda we've talked about this likes to use their own name twice in every vehicle. That's not so that so that all of their <laughs> customers sound like they have a stutter. What kind of drive you? What kind of car are you driving? Oh, I drive the Mazda Mazda. It's five, mm-hmm. my, 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 it's kind of like the, the La Ferrari, the, 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 the Ferrari. <laughs> so this is the Mazda, 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 Mazda five sport. Um, I like these little things, man. Um, the, to me, the, this car is very like heavy on the sport portion of a van, you know, because it's, it has the sliding doors, but it's mm-hmm. tiny. It doesn't seat eight people or even seven people. It seats six people, yep. but it gives you some cargo space. And if you only have two kids, do you really need eight seats in a minivan? I don't know. No, um, if you only have two kids, you need a car. But anyway. <laughs> well, and this is basically a car, but it adds the one really good redeeming feature about a minivan is easy access to the back of the vehicle. Yes. And uh, you can take them seats out or, uh, down, out or flip them down. I can't remember which one for this one. And you have a, a huge cargo carrying area. Oh yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, if you're into like mountain biking or camping, or and you don't want to invest in a big SUV because you're going to do mostly road driving, like this or a Honda Element. I mean, these are good choices. So, oh man, you said Honda Element. Oh man, I love them. I used to love them little things. Why did they yeah. stop building that? Because Honda does crazy stuff. All right, so that was my first one. That was basically a minivan. Number two, not a minivan, but still kind of sporty. How is this a minivan alternative? Because it's a sport utility vehicle. And I selected this specifically because I wanted to show the the lunacy in considering some of these vehicles, sport utility vehicles. Because okay, cool. there is there is a lot of sport in this, but there is very little utility in this. Yeah, this is can... a 2017 Mini Countryman Cooper S. So if you want a fun little SUV that you can drive quickly on a twisty back road and still have a little bit of space for camping gear in the back, this is a good choice. And they depreciate like a rock. Now, if my earlier rant about Audi and their service fees uh, had you shaking your head up and down, yes, 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 then do not buy this car. Yep, don't even go there and look at it. Especially, (laughs) Especially don't drive it because I have not driven a Mini that was not fun. Oh, me neither. I've driven several of them, and I love every single one I get in. And I'm like, oh, I could drive this car every day, including uh, this one. This 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 little thing. I mean, it, like you said, it's short on the utility, uh, high on the sport. It's it is fun to drive, and I to be honest, yeah. I mean, you can, I can kind of see this as a minivan alternative because you know, I know a person who has um, a few children, uh, five, and they don't have a minivan. And they have a vehicle that's smaller that, that I consider maybe smaller than this. But we, that's a whole other conversation. Wow. Continue on, sir. All right. So my number three pick is the best alternative to a minivan ever, in my humble opinion, is a 2011 Mercedes-Benz E350 4Matic. This is all-wheel drive. It has a good, strong, robust engine. It will last forever because it is dependable. But that does mean you will spend some money on service visits. Yes, um, you will. But – right. That being said, you will never have a complaint about this vehicle other than that. It has a third row option. And, and it does it backwards. It does this, it backwards. Yeah, this which is I love. 
Hey, so did you know Mercedes built kind of like a minivan thingy before? Yeah, the R. The R. So I think it was Doug. Did you see the one where he reviewed the the AMG R series? Yes. yes. Oh man, oh, oh, it was cool. That's the funnest minivan <laughs> ever built. Yeah, but yes, we're looking at alternatives to minivans. So this one is my choice. And look, it's a, it's it's only twenty thousand dollars for these like um, this generation of the E wagons. So before they went to the newer headlights and whatever year that was, two thousand twelve or thirteen, um, you know they had a, a model refresh. So this car still has a lot of nice luxury features. Um, yeah. You know it. Again, it's a car that will drive you around all over the place, super comfortable for years and years and years, um, and gives you a third row option or really good cargo if you need it. Yes, it will. Um, if you haven't been in a modern luxury car and you uh, and you get in this right here, just get in this right here for you know around about the same price as a, a decent a decent new car, you you'll get the what a luxury car is. I mean. This it does not feel cheap at all. It just doesn't. It feels like money. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, there's nothing cheap feeling about this vehicle. In cool. contrast, for the next choice, I have selected the choice of soccer moms everywhere who don't want a minivan. If you're a mom and you have a conversation with your husband and you say, I really want something for the kids, but I just cannot bring myself to drive a minivan, you are going to go look at this vehicle and there's a good chance you'll wind up buying it. This is a 2019 Honda Pilot LX for $24,953. Way over budget, but this is the vehicle. I had one that was under budget and it it literally sold today. And so the link went away. So I had to pick a new one. Mine too. (laughs) (laughs) Mine too. I didn't send you that other link. Because I think we picked the exact same van. Because it was gone. <laughs> it no, it's not a van. It's an SUV. It, even oh, you can't even remember which is oh which because they it, are so it, similar. You're not going to let me live that down. Um, so, yeah, this is absolutely That's the van. A Freudian. This is, see, I said van again. <laughs> so this is the absolute thing that people buy nowadays instead of minivans. All the other stuff that we were talking about just now, it's kind of fun. And, you know, we poke fun. It makes good conversation. But... In all reality, on my list of reasons why uh, why you don't buy a minivan, it is the number one reason is your wife will not drive a minivan, right? Or that's right. The it's, but she will drive a Honda Pilot and a Toyota Highlander and all the other things with SUVs because it's not a minivan. Yes, it is. It, it is a minivan. It, it, <laughs> it probably doesn't even have that much taller of a tire on it. It's front wheel. This is a Honda Odyssey with a little less room in the back, no vacuum cleaner, and non-sliding doors. I mean, that's really what it is. Right. And and Bill could be. He's. You may think Bill is trying to make a joke. He is not making a joke because the sister vehicles to, to this is the Honda Odyssey, and the Ridgeline. Yeah, it's it's the same it's the same platform because yep. you can't say chassis because it's not it's not it's a unibody, but it's the same platform. It's the same drivetrain. It, yep. it I mean everything about it is the same. As, aside from the B pillar back, that's where there's a differences. Yeah, uh, yeah. Honda Odyssey less utility. There you go. Perfect. It's a sport utility with less utility than the minivan it's based on. Correct. 
But the next one is the one that I would pick. I would drive that. I always liked it. I always thought these things were cool. Yeah, so my final pick is what I call the best choice for men like Stanley. Now, if you're wondering what I mean by that, I mean men that currently drive a minivan have grown addicted to them and can't quite bring themselves to let go. That is my friend Stanley. And Are you for him, no, no, I mean, I'm just stating the obvious conclusion that we came to in the previous podcast is that you no longer rate by your own standards the ownership of a minivan but you have had three of them now and you have grown to love them. So? Well, <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything bad about that. I'm saying that much like a, an alcoholic who maybe needs an occasional non-alcoholic beer to still get the f- taste, you can have a 2014 Ford Flex Limited with EcoBoost for $17,900 and you have all of your minivan feels, but it looks a little more like a station wagon. You know what the coolest thing about this vehicle was? What's that? Because you could get the big EcoBoost in it. Yeah, this bad boy right here is uh, all-wheel drive. It has the 3.5 liter EcoBoost in it. This thing will move right here. I mean, this is a quick it is, car. It is not slow. It is <laughs> not new. slow. You you will get a ticket in this thing. Yep. I mean, and what's really cool is because it's got that big EcoBoost in there, believe it or not, if it's got a trailer hitch on it, it'll pull almost as much weight as an F-150. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, because it's not, again, it's not a, like a, it's not a little vehicle. It's not really that light, but it got enough. It got enough horsepower, enough torque, because that engine is shared in other vehicles. And, I mean, actually, yeah. I, I really do like that vehicle. I, there was a show I used to watch called Fringe back in the day, and they had some on there with, uh, like, and if you're not familiar with the Ford Flex, if you're in your mind, if you can picture uh, a last generation Ford Expedition, and if you look at that vehicle and think, you know, I really like an Expedition, but it just seems a little too big and it might be hard to park, then you get a Ford Flex because it is basically a lowered Expedition. Yeah, or, or if you, um, you know, height challenge, you know. That's right. Speaking of people that are height challenged, I have a question. This is way off topic of automobiles, but it is on topic of people who are height challenged. Now, I don't want to be insensitive here because I want, I want everybody to understand that I am supporting the, the small people community in their plight. Mm. That being said, I mm. really feel for people of short stature during COVID because I feel like they're getting unjustly discriminated against. Because if I walk into a restaurant to get a table at standing height, I must wear a mask to walk to the table and sit down. But the moment I sit down, I am now below COVID's operating height area. Like there's an altitude. (laughs) But now if you're a short person, you fall under those same requirements of having to wear a mask all the way to your booth, but when you sit down, oh my God, your head's the same height, they're higher. So <laughs> you actually increase your COVID risk by sitting in a booth versus walking through the restaurant. So it's it's almost um, disproportionately, you know, ruled against short people for COVID in restaurants because I, I assume that that's why the laws are the way they are is because COVID has an altitude level that it can't function at. And, and these poor people, when they walk into a restaurant, 
they're already in the safety zone, but they have to wear a mask. It's really sad. And that was your PSA for the day. (laughs) I thought of that earlier in the week, and I was so glad I found a way to work that into our conversation. You're you're a genius. (laughs) That's... (laughs) A lot of people call me a lot of names, but I don't know if genius is on the list. Hey, you you know, according to a conversation we just had, you're a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, so on Nine my out of picks, 10 Facebook uh, IQ tests agree that I have a doctorate degree. There <laughs> 100% accurate. So on my picks, <laughs> we picked essentially the same vehicle. For, so what up? So don't even look, pay attention to that pilot. So did you? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so funny that we both picked. Oh, a 2016 Honda Pilot LX. Look at there. <laughs> Absolutely the same vehicle. Good job. So, so the next one is uh, yep. is a t- 2014. The other the other big minivan alternative, the 2014 Toyota Highlander. Is that the one that came out first? Yes, sir. All right, cool. So if 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 your wife won't drive a minivan and she will not drive a station wagon, and for some reason Hondas are too sporty, <laughs> in, in case your wife looks at a Honda Pilot and says, "Oh, I don't know, dear. I just don't want to be confused for one of those Fast and Furious racers." Yes, buy a Highlander. <laughs> In all reality, I mean, these are nice vehicles, but uh, uh, Toyotas, uh, most of them are appliances. And, you know. It is an appliance, 100%. This is a washing machine on wheels. Yep. It could carry a washing machine, too. (laughs) Uh, And the next one is my little joke. You see it? Oh, man. (laughs) What? It's a 2018 Dodge Journey. It, It got a V6. It's Why do seats. you like these things? It's seat seven. <laughs> it's seat seven. Okay. If it you has, put seven people in there, how many sheets of paper are you allowed to carry behind the third row? One hey, or six? Short story. Um, oh, man. It, it can, this ties right back into what you were just saying. Short story. We had to go up to uh, New Jersey for a work trip, and we got a vehicle all together, and we went up there, and it was a Dodge Journey. So... Is one, two, three, five of us, in the five adult men in, in in this vehicle, and you know nobody wants to sit in the middle seat in the, on the, on the second row. So the uh, the most vertically challenged of us jumped in the back seat, the third row. He was fine. Was it nice back there? I did not say that, <laughs> but he fit. He probably wasn't comfortable either. But I mean, he he was back there. <laughs> Oh man, oh man. But anyway, that's my little, that's my little story. We have fun. So, a couple questions about that trip because I'm gonna need some more information. Number oh, one, did everybody have to hold their own bags? Um, we didn't all. The three of okay. us drove up. <laughs> three of us drove up in the journey, and two of them flew. And um, then when we was going around, only one of us really knew where he was going, so we just drove around in the journey the whole time. Okay. And then number two is when all five of you were in the vehicle, did you have to like synchronize your breathing so that everybody was inhaling and exhaling at a separate time? Because I would think if you all breathed in at one time, the car would actually move with you. It is. That car is not that little, sir. 
It it looks like it's that little. It is not that little. Hey, one cool cool feature about that, it is still on sale. First of all, if you didn't know, it is still on sale. It is um it has 90 degree opening rear doors, which have to be the widest opening rear doors I have ever seen in my life. And they only as, open 90 degrees. Yeah. They don't open all the way open? Like a, like a 90 degree angle from the rest of the vehicle. Well, that would mean they open 180 degrees. No, no. Yeah, if they're perpendicular to the body no, of the vehicle at a 90 degree angle, then they open 180 degrees. Do we, have, do we need to have a geometry lesson? 90 degrees. You have a line... Straight up. This is the fun part of the show. All the geometry fans of the show are like, yes, finally, degrees. You know, Neil is going to hear this, and then he's going to realize why he should not have us on his podcast. (laughs) I I need to look at Let me look at the pictures on this car and see if there's a picture of this thing open, because I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding which one of us is wrong, and that's what's most important to me. And the most important thing is... The, the important thing is, I am right. It is the This has a lift open- gate. Why are you even telling me this? This is a lift gate. It also has the widest opening doors I have ever been in a car in my life. Like, Oh, you're not talking about the back hatch. You're talking about the second row passenger doors. Yeah. Oh, like I care about that. What does that matter? You're going to be parked in a parking spot beside a car. You're never going to be able to open your doors 90 degrees anyway. Hey, oh, you you're have, saying this one rates a handicapped parking spot. I'm just saying, you know, people can get in and out of it um, very easily. And one night when we went out and had adult beverages, because I used to drink, drink adult beverages back then, and um, we found out that the doors opened all the way out there and they didn't break. Okay. See, now I've learned some things. Okay. Cool. See? I, we were staying in a hotel that was attached to an outback. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the bar didn't close at like midnight. I'm just saying. Okay, so let's... um Talk let's, about things. About yeah, on, let's on run topic. through. So in the previous podcast, we talked about body-on-frame, full-size SUVs with a third row. Now, this left off some of the best-selling three-row SUVs on the market, as Stanley just mentioned in his sales numbers. Mm-hmm. So it's probably fitting that we at least peruse through the remaining of the list of three road SUVs and include all of the unibody three row SUVs. Correct. So I will tell I just, you if you missed one. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously I missed at least one cause I did not have Dodge journey on there. Cause I guess that's technically a third row. It is. So I didn't get it. And it's uh, it's number sixty two. Hey, did you know how many <laughs> different did you know how many different SUVs there are on the market right now? No. Last trivia question. I will. I'll, yes, I'm probably going to ask you another trivia Just question. Just total SUVs, two row or three row. Yeah. How many of them are out there for sale? Uh, twenty six. Twenty six. Oh no 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 no. You could do better, Bill. 42. Bill, you can do better than that. 1,609 and a half. 132 
that were on that were able to be bought in the third quarter of 2020. However, somebody didn't buy one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Six oh. of them did not sell a vehicle in the third quarter of that year. The only thing missing from that statistic was a ah ah ah. Hey, um, all I know is one of them is one of them is a, a vehicle that in theory you would like, but in reality you don't don't, don't like it all. But anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, maybe we'll bring it up on the list here. Okay, so cool. here we go: three row SUVs that are unibodies. And these are in no particular order, although some of them I will try to group together because we've mentioned some of them already. Ford Explorer. Yep. With a price range of $32,000 to $58,000. And those are like starting points for packages. Obviously, that will go higher than $58,000, but I'm just giving you the price range of the starting points for each trim level of each of these. Mm Mm-hmm. Kia Telluride, $31,000 to $50,000. And Hyundai Palisade, its twin sister, $33,000 to $48,000. Uh, for the record, the Kia Telluride was number 35 on the list with $21,000. So this uh, in that quarter in the Hyundai Palisade, I'll figure out what I find it on the list. Well, go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, carrying on the Chevy Traverse, $38,000 yep. to $53,000. Number 17. The Honda Pilot, 31000 to 48000 Number 14. The Volkswagen Atlas, 32000 to $49,000. That was a surprise because it's number 28. Wow, that's much lower than I expected. Yeah, yeah. Here's a personal favorite of mine, but not because I like it. It's a personal favorite of mine because it is a minivan. It, there is the only thing about this that is not a minivan is the doors. Everything else about this vehicle is 100% a minivan. It looks like a minivan. It drives like a minivan. It quacks like a minivan. It swims like a minivan. The Dodge Durango, $31,000 to $63,000. And that big number on the back end is the SRT8. So if you want the fastest minivan on the planet, buy a Dodge Durango. I disagree, sir. It is number, actually, all right, before we get there, it is number 44 on the list. Uh, I disagree, sir. Uh, that is nowhere, that is not even close to being a minivan. Nope. Mm-mm. It absolutely looks identical to a minivan except for those doors. No, throw that. <laughs> even if you buy the like off-roady one, it's like a half an inch higher than a normal minivan. It's a hundred percent a minivan. No, it's not. Yeah. If, nope. if you if you like going fast, you want a muscle car minivan, that's the minivan for you. That's all I'm no. saying. No, they super- made a Dodge made a muscle car minivan. They call it the man van in the commercial, sir. Yeah, the Dodge Durango. Subaru Ascent, <laughs> 32000 to $45,000. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, oh, yeah. You said Subaru Ascent? Yes. Yeah, Subaru. Oh, it's number 39. Wow. The Mazda CX-9, 34000 to $46,000. Oh, man. Where's Mazda? Where's the CX-9? Mm. Oh, my gosh. It is number 76. It's down there. They only yeah. sold 7,000 in them. That's a shame, too, because that's a really, I mean, it's it's a nice quality vehicle. More people should look at it. That's yeah, all I'm going to say. If you want to get in that premium range, I didn't say luxury. I nope. didn't say, you want to get, Mazda makes some really, really nice vehicles. They're pretty much all of them are underpowered at some point, but. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. But I will say this, if you buy a Mazda 
and you you pick up a friend that has never been in a Mazda, when they get in every single time, they're going to say, wow, this is a nice car. Yep. Yes, it is. Yes, so it is. for that reason and that reason and on, if you're in the market, whatever segment it is, just go buy the dealership <coughs> and check out a Mazda. They won't make you buy one. Just go buy. Yeah, you can always say no. Hey, the Dodge Journey sold more. They they sold more Journeys than they sold Mazda Sixes. Well, that's because there's still plenty of um, you know suppository companies that need a work vehicle. <laughs> so up next, I've got the Toyota Highlander, thirty five thousand oh. to forty eight thousand dollars. Number four on the list, the Acura MDX. By the way, there's a brand new one coming out very yeah. soon. Uh, about that. Oh, 44000 44, to $70,000. That It is number 48 on the list. Hey, speaking of that, how do, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, from the little bit of information that's out there right now, it, you know, and kind of doing a comparison to the the new TLX, I mean, I'm, it looks like it's going to be a nice-looking vehicle. Yeah, I think it looks I think it looks pretty good. Do you, uh, you see they're going to make a Type S version of it? Yeah. With that same motor? Yep. Yep, I think... Acura is always, they're not a luxury, I don't consider Acura a luxury make, even though Honda does, evidently. Yeah, Honda definitely considers them a luxury make, but I'm going to be honest with you, their depreciation value can kind of make them a luxury vehicle because they do not depreciate. Yeah, because half the people out there don't know that Acura still makes cars. So... Um, well, the rest of these are what I would consider more in the luxury or higher end segments. So the next is the BMW X7. That's a uh, seventy-five thousand to one hundred and forty-six thousand dollars. You heard me correct, people. It is very, very, very nice. It is number eighty-eight on this list. It is super, super nice. Yeah, get get one. Oh yeah, but for the record. All BMW SUVs are built in South Carolina. There you go. Plug for South Carolina. South yeah. Carolina. Um, do you get a discount for being a native? Uh, no. But you, what you do get, if you didn't know this cool BMW fact, if you buy a BMW M car, the uh, M school is here in South Carolina. They will show you how to drive that car. I did know that. Up next is the Volvo XC90, 50000 to $65,000. And for a number of years, they never had a third row option. And then they finally just said, hey, let's just throw a couple seats back there. By the way, when they made that decision, they did nothing about the vehicle's dynamics or cargo area or anything at all. They kept the vehicle exactly the same. They haven't remodeled it in 37 years. They just added two seats. Oh, So this is one of those moments where Bill is exaggerating just a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. Did I mention it's fifty thousand to sixty-five thousand dollars? Did you also mention that? Oh, it's number sixty-six on the list. Did you also mention that you can get that thing with the one engine that Volvo builds that is turbocharged, supercharged, and is a hybrid all at the same time? Well, Something. yeah, because Volvo only builds one engine. They just stick different stuff on it depending on how they want to sell it to you. Absolutely, sounds like it's going to be reliable for years because you know turbocharged, supercharging. Well, they're they're and betting. Hybridizing. <laughs> they're betting that it's going to be, but I don't know. Up next That's, is the Mercedes GLS. That gives you a price range of seventy six thousand dollars to one hundred and thirty two thousand dollars. Very very nice as well. It is number eighty six on the list. Uh, 
And if I had $150,000 that I could just spend on an SUV, I would definitely get that. Uh, saying. if I had $150,000 I could spend on an SUV, I would not get it brand new, maybe buy it one year old and then use it to buy the remaining money to buy four Land Cruisers. Um, <laughs> so, cause that's how much it's going to depreciate in the first year. Oh no, no, better yet. Let me say, let me say this a more correct way. If I had that much money, I would lease that. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, okay. So up next is the Audi Q7. That's 54,000 to 91,000. So that includes the SQ7 in that price range, which is why it's uh, such a huge jump. That is super fast. And it is number 79 on the list. And that, I don't know how I feel about it. It's it's not bad. I mean, it's a little big. I drove one for, I don't know, about a week or so um, last year. And um, it's not bad. I mean, it's it's a it's a good SUV. It's a good crossover SUV. It feels like you're in a crossover. Kendra liked it. She drove it and was like, "Hey, this is this is nicer than I expected." I I wouldn't own it because it, it it if I turn my head and look around, I go, "Oh, I'm in a minivan." So, because well, um, so is the Range Rover ninety two thousand to one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. The Range Rover. That's right. Now Rover. available with a third row seat. Not the regular Range Rover. Where's the Range Rover? Yes, the regular Range Rover. You can't get a third row seat in any of the weird Range Rover, like the Evoque or whatever else they sell, the Sport or something. They don't have the third row option. Only in the standard Range Rover. Oh, there it goes. I I was looking over. It is number 98 on the list. I'm not surprised. Can we go back to the Audi real quick? Nope, because you want to tell me how it's not a minivan. No, I'm not going to tell you how it's not a minivan. It is. That is a minivan. That is Audi's minivan. It is Audi's and minivan. Audi figured out how to turn a Porsche Cayenne into a minivan, and that's what that is. There. No, 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 you didn't. I'm just saying. Woo. Boy, I thought I was throwing shade tonight. That's a tough one right there. And all it has all more our Porsche on owners are on their, on their keyboards. Oh, they can be mad all they want to. That's not a Q7. Uh, they can be mad all they want to. Just go look at look at what's underneath of it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and it has all the piano black in all the cars. Audi, Audi went and got all the piano black they could and just put it in all the cars. You're saying whatever was left over when Chevrolet and Cadillac were done? No, 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 no. They use, uh, what's the term you use for uh, that plastic, sir? Judge heat plastic. Yeah, they use that. Audi got all the piano black plastic. I don't have no idea why they chose to do that. Okay. Is there something wrong with wood nowadays? I don't know. Yes. Anyway. Well, well, last on my list, which you'll tell me what I missed, but last on my list is a vehicle that did not forget that there's still wood out there. A vehicle that I recently drove and liked way more than I expected. The Land Rover Defender, $50,000 to $81,000. Well, the Land Rover Defender... Is 115th on the list. It and the just reason, came out a month ago. I know. Then that's what I was going to say. I was going to defend it. Uh, defend the Defender. <laughs> defender, Defender. I'm they the sold 1,300 of, yeah, of it. And it, that thing just went on sale. I really do think that is a way nicer and bigger uh, crossover thingy than, than I, I imagined it was. It is is the one vehicle on here that I would dare to say is still an actual SUV, even though it's not body on frame. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, do- probably some of the engineering challenges that they probably faced in making that vehicle as capable as it is, as it is could have easily been overcome had they just made it body on frame. They yeah. just refused to do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I understand, they're going to move pretty much their whole lot up to, uh, uh, to unibody chassis because yep. the things that people can do, uh, the things that these engineers can do with a unibody chassis now, they are, are um, amazing. I mean, they made the same unibody tra- um, chassis be the fastest SUV crossover on the planet and a very, very, very capable SUV on the planet at the same time on the yep. same chassis. Yeah, I mean, is give you throw enough, you throw enough, uh, you put enough uh, monster and, and Twinkies in 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 the, um, in the office. Engineers, they figure it out. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So, which ones did I forget, sir? You missed a whole lot of them. I, a I mean, three row unibody SUVs. There are, by my count, 52 unibody SUV. Uh, they have row, a third row. That have it on, on uh, yeah, nah. three really? row SUVs on the planet. You tell me if I missed one. That if, 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 Good grief. If you got 52 of them, then I missed a bunch. Yep. I'll run, I can run down the list real quick. You tell Please. me. Cause I, may have, I may have discounted maybe two of them. All right. Obviously, you said Highlander, Explorer, Pilot. Tesla Model Y. Ooh, Tesla Model. Wait a minute. Tesla Model Y. That's right. It is going to have a third row, but not currently available. Correct. Uh, I don't remember if you said Traverse. I said I said Traverse. Oh, cool. Uh, Santa Fe, you still can get a third row in it. I don't think nobody want to sit in it. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, Edge, you said Atlas, said Palisade. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is the Ford Edge still on sale? Yes, it is. Is it really? Yes, it is. There's a 2021 Ford Edge. Yes. I'm going right now to the Ford website. <laughs> go, ahead. Go, ahead. go ahead. Look. 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 You did, well, we weren't talking about big boys. So it is time. not on the Ford website. Yes, it is. It is not. I am on building price Ford currently, and there is no Ford Edge. Would you like a list of all SUVs and crossovers from Ford currently? The Echo Sport, the Escape, the Edge, the Explorer, the Mach-E, and the You just said the Edge. That was the third one you just said. I'm just saying. Oh, oh, the Edge. I was thinking about the Flex that we talked about earlier. Ah, Hey, The Flex is still on sale. The Edge doesn't have a third row seat. I'm pretty sure you said Oh, no. Okay, no, cool. so I was missing. No, I missed no. one. There's no way there's a third row in that tiny little thing. You're blowing my mind right now. Are you sure? Mercedes put a third row in the back of the GLB. Okay, but that's because Europeans be doing crazy stuff because they got small <laughs> streets. <laughs> there's no way there's a third row in this thing. If Where's it does, my I'm interior? Not... Where's my interior? What? I may be wrong. I have been wrong like two times a year. I do that like twice a year. There is no third row option on this thing. We'll we'll re, we'll we'll put that in the question mark version. Please, let's put it in the question mark category. What we the edge edge? All right, cool. You said Atlas Palisade. We won't say Tahoe because that's a big boy. Sorrento, Tayride. Said Expedition. That's a big boy. Ascent Subaru. Got it. Arcadia. You said Durango. Is that still on sale? What's up? The Arcadia. Yeah. Yes, it is. Are you sure? I am. I am absolutely positive. 
it, it is, is still on sale. So GM does that triplet thing. It is smaller. And, it's and smaller you, than the other two. Wait a minute now. You can get this thing. AT4. In the AT4. That looks kind of beefy. Yes, it does. Hmm. I, that was part of our private conversation we was going to have tonight. See? Oh, my goodness. Looky, um, looky. Uh, you didn't say Q5. You said Q7. Uh, Pathfinder. Because the Q5 does not have a third row. I'm pretty sure you can get it that road. No, no, you can't get it in a di- this generation. Ah, I wrong. know that to be a fact. All right, so I'm gonna put that in the two because I'm and driving one currently. Just because the one you got don't have a third row, I, I mean, can tell you, you from looking at it, there's nowhere to put a third row in that thing. Look, hey, engineers be making stuff happen. Mm. They, they may be making things happen, but they are not Harry Potter. Some of them believe they are. <laughs> well, that may be true, but that I believe I'm a, a Formula One driver, but I can't seem to find my helmet. It's all about what you believe, sir. Mm. Pathfinder. Uh, yeah. Does the Pathfinder have a yep. third row? That, I know that's for true because uh, the new <laughs> Nissan Pathfinder has a third row. Yep. You. These are so small to have a third row. Uh, I am not sure about this one. Model X, but I'm thinking it. I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, I think the Model X does have one. I think you're right about that. I think that's actually been available for a while, a while, but the wide is not out yet because I just recently went on there and built and priced one. You missed the GX. The who? Lexus. Okay, the Lexus GX, though, is not a unibody. Oh, that's right. It, it, it is. I'll take it off. I'll, I, will, I will update my information. The Mercedes GLB, which is tiny and has a third row. How has that thing got a third row? I don't know how, but it does. Okay, I'm, I'm still looking at this uh, Nissan at the moment here. Okay, so I'm surprised I missed this thing having a third, a third row here. Where's my... Interior. Why you keep? I'll keep naming XT6 Cadillac. Where would I put it at in the cargo? How do I add a third row? Nope, it's not in cargo. Where would it be at? I'm trying to do it in a building price here. Uh, Interior material. Lincoln Aviator. Really? That's got a third row. Yep. Hey man, it's an Explorer. Explorer. Wow, look at that tiny third row back there. That's crazy in that Nissan. Did okay. they, did Porsche put a Cayenne in that row? I hope they didn't. No. Thank you. Thank you, Porsche. Thank you for doing what you should. That'd be do. like Lamborghini putting a third row in the Urus. That's oh, it's coming. Happen. It's coming. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, the, the Infiniti QX70? Yeah, because that's probably basically the same as that Nissan. It absolutely is. I don't know what Land Rovers have the rows because I think it's an option on pretty much all of them except for the Evoke that you get to get one jump seat. I don't know if that qualifies or not. <laughs> I don't, on the Land Rover, I don't know if, um, yeah, I guess the Discovery probably still has an option because they are still selling the Discovery. The Discovery Sport's not going to have one and then the Range Rover. But yeah, the, the Velar... And the Sport, the Range Rover Sport, and the Range Rover Evoque, none of those have a third row. Mm-hmm. 
side side note, really cool option in the Land Rover Discovery is you can get a third row with two seats or you can get a front row with a third seat in the middle. So you can have a six passenger or a seven passenger setup. Yep. I recommend the six passenger because it frees up all of your cargo space. Yep. Another cool thing about that. I'm telling you that that, that little thing impressed me. I was, I was way more, I liked that way more than I thought I was going to like it. Oh, well, and, you the, and me both. The, the last one on the list of things that should not have three rows, but does the Lexus RX. No, it does not. Yes, it does. Are you sure? Yes, it does. Get out of town. I'm going to yeah. look at it right now. Why does it? I have no idea, but it does. Are you sure? Yep. I'm going to keep saying, are you sure? Yep. This is the episode where I have a hard time believing things that Stanley is telling me. Okay. Subaru should have put a third row in the Outback that faced backwards. A hundred percent. They should have done that 15 <laughs> years ago. Way yes, sooner. you still get a third row in the Disco, in the Discovery. I needed to click a few pages to find it. Okay, now I'm looking for this Lexus because this is blowing my mind. Not the NX, but the RX. It costs $60,000 to do it. That's not, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Who is heading back there? <laughs> that does not make any sense. All right, build mine. Let me see here. I need to see this third row seat option here. I'm going to get the L because I feel like the L would be. Because that's the third row one. Is it? See, I just trusted my automotive instincts on how to find this thing. Oh, oh, I did. Uh, I it's only showing me two rows here. No, no, it, it's small enough that it should be. <laughs> oh, the last thing that I, uh, uh, one of the other things that's on the list that uh, we didn't talk about is uh, the Lincoln. Oh, the my goodness, it does have third row seat in it. Good the MK, gracious. The, the MKX. Who's uh, that? The Lincoln? Lincoln? Yeah. The Lincoln Eyes Ford Edge that is not not good looking. Yeah, I just I guess I wouldn't have thought about that because I also didn't think the Edge had a third row. And because in my head the Edge and the Flex apparently were the same vehicle. So <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, uh, the Lincoln MKX. Yep. Kidnapped. See how you're probably not gonna believe me. I'm going. I will send you a picture of it. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's a lot of three. Uh, the point of it is a lot of three three row SUVs. I'm gonna keep adding to this list of data because I'm I'm a geek like that. <laughs> so and, I I have a question about this GMC Acadia all wheel drive AT4 because it looks uh -huh. like it should be pretty cool. Why can't I get the diesel engine in that? Um, because it is a crossover that looks more rugged than it actually is. Oh, yeah, that's it. It looks more rugged than it actually is. Like, that would work for me, but it wouldn't work for you, because I know what you do in SUVs. Yes. <laughs> now, it could work for your wife. Because she is not going to do what you do in SUVs. Not yet. Not yet. Yes, correct. Not yet. But but you I, are going to I'm working have, on getting her there. 
But you you will have the SUV that is allowed to that drives upside down in a cave. Okay. But you know she don't need to do that while she's doing her daily grocery her grocery runs and stuff. So so as we wrap this thing up, let me tell you what what almost happened this week. Okay. Oh yeah. How long have we been talking? I don't know. Two <laughs> days. Two days. Okay. <laughs> let me tell you what almost happened this week because okay. nobody's going to listen this far in the podcast. So just. This is really just us talking. If you're still listening in this far in the podcast, the secret word is marbles. Send us an email with the word marbles so that we'll know you listened this far into the podcast. Okay, so this week, <clears throat> in my logic of looking for stuff that's not the Bronco, mm-hmm. I found a mint, pristine, pristine, 1998 Land Cruiser. So two years newer than my current Lexus Land Cruiser. So it's a 100 series. So it's a pump up from the 80. Had independent front suspension. It already had all the cool off uh, like Overland stuff in it. It already had like the drawers in the back and a refrigerator and a rooftop tent and an awning and all the cool stuff. It was in Colorado. I had already went on that my my app and got airline tickets lined up to fly to Colorado to get this thing and drive it back. I was talking Kendra into letting Anna go with me. And the guy in front of me in the line of people who contacted the guy bought it first. So I missed it by about 10 minutes. If I had texted him 10 minutes sooner, it would have been mine. Hmm. Got to be quicker on the draw, sir. Got to be quicker. That that's disappointing. All right, it's disappointing so. because you know how often a less than hundred thousand mile Toyota Land Cruiser comes up on no. the internet. No, I don't. But I would imagine that it doesn't come up that often. Very so rare. I sent you. I sent you an email. I sent you an email with a link on it. And but why you get to that? So things I saw this week. I saw at least seven SUVs. Some of them crossovers with snorkels on them. I don't know what it was. They, they had a sale on snorkels. That Land Cruiser also had a snorkel on it. Um, uh, now, I will say that's not an option that I would choose to put on my vehicle because I do not ford a lot of rivers. However, that being said, you may or may not be aware that a lot of people who choose to add a snorkel or what we call a snorkel to their vehicle, it's also oftentimes added on an SUV or an overlanding vehicle or a crossover um, simply to improve airflow driving on dirty or dusty dirt roads because it gets the air intake up higher and out of the dirty air so a a lot of times people will choose to add those for cleaner air but more often than not they choose to add them to make their mall crawler look cooler yeah because one of them was a uh, was a taco and i swear i looked at the car well now taco i looked at it for five minutes there was no dirt on it well of course not None at all. No, of course not. There's no dirt on there. You got to keep the taco clean. That's what brings Look, all the ladies to the taco. You can't put armor all on taco tires. That's that's no. 
No, you're not. You're not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be mud. Thank you. That's that's like the best thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> I mean, that makes a southern white man proud to hear you say that. You know, it's only no. thing only thing you're allowed to put on your pickup truck tires. It, well, the only thing you're allowed to adorn your pickup truck with in the South is mud and a Trump flag. And yep. that's about it. Oh gosh, you said it. All right, look at, <laughs> all right, did you see, you get that email? I did. I'm looking at it right now. So that's what I saw this week. Remember that no, vehicle? You no, that, you did. It wasn't that one, but it was exactly that car. A black four eight eight spider. With yellow brake uh, calipers. Does it have the carbon ceramics? It, it it was driving down the main road on base. Somebody rented that. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the windows what, were, the windows somebody, saw, somebody saw that E3 <laughs> coming a mile away. Yeah, I, look. <laughs> <laughs> They got it. They got here's, it. Here's what we can do. Your payment will only be $695 a month for the next 243 years. The, bro, I'm showing you this picture. The only thing that was different between the car in this picture and the car that I saw is those wheels were painted black, and I could not tell what color the interior was because the windows were tinted. Did it have a blue sticker on it? It had no sticker on it. What was it doing on base? Because we, I work on a base with no with no gates, really. Oh, oh, safety gate, safety base. But still, in still in all, that car should not have been there. <laughs> no, there's. I mean, there's a good chance that the car was aware that it should not have been there. Yeah, but yeah. Every time was, he downshifted, the car was like, "Please get me out of here." And he was behind like uh, a, a Subaru Forester. He was like sandwiched between like a Subaru Forester and like a, a Highlander or something. Oh, I crazy. thought for sure you were gonna say he was like stuck behind a Mighty Might. Yeah, no, he was just driving down the road like <laughs> like like this is a normal car that you just drive down the road. I was like, no, you're doing this no, wrong. No, <laughs> it's not not a normal car and not a car you drive down the road. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Dude, I think we are at we are we are. Trying to set the record for the longest podcast that we ever Well, heard. it's my fault. I had that big old rant about Audi, and there's a lot of crossovers out there, and so it was just a tough night. Cool. So, uh, hey, you get a hold of Neil. We're going to do this thing next week, and yep. um, Neil is going to make us look dumb. Yep. <laughs> next week, special guest star, childhood friend, Neil. He is going to join us to talk about his cars that he has owned and being a car fan. He'll probably talk to us about his um, his current podcast. Um, so if you're always looking for another podcast that's just as long as ours, um, check out the Creative Businessman um, yeah. podcast. And next week, we're also going to shop for ourselves. For ourselves or for each other? For each other. We're going to buy each, each other, other um, a time attack platform. So for $15,000, we have to find each other a starting point to build our own time attack cars. Yeah, and I don't know a whole lot about time attack, so I'm not even going to know when Bill is cheating. <laughs> and since Stanley doesn't know a whole lot about time attack, guess who's getting a minivan? 
Because <laughs> I know he'll like it. He'll be like, oh, I like hey, minivans. You, you can race a minivan. I know you can. I had one as my background last week. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I just completely forgot what I was going to say. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably a good sign that we need to wrap it up, man. All right, brother. I love you, man. Hey, I love you. This is great. We're still doing it 13 weeks in, still having a good time, and neither one of us have threatened to kill each other yet, so we must be doing something right. Have we ever threatened to kill each other? <sighs> I don't know. It had to happen over the last 20 not. years. <laughs> yeah, it had to happen at some point over the last 20-something years, but I don't... <laughs> anyway. There was, there was that brief period of time where you like thought you were going to have to move in with me. I was pretty sure I was going to kill you then. Oh, we would definitely, we could not live together. No, 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 no. no. And you had some strange friends back then, too. Oh, we all had strange friends. I've still got strange friends. Not stranger than ones that lived in that trailer. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. All right. Until next week, I'll talk to you later.